Good morning, Maple Grove. That was bad. Good morning, Maple Grove. All right, much better. Hey, hey, welcome to the eighth day of the year 2023. Yes, 178 hours are down, and there are still 8,582 hours still to go. There's still 10,680 minutes down, and there's still 514,920 minutes are still waiting to be ticked off your clock. Point, the new year has just begun. Amen? Someone say, it's just begun. I understand there are so many blank pages of life just waiting for you and I to fill up. Get it? Good. Hey, now last week we unpacked a conversation calling Becoming Your Best Me in 2023. I'm going to ask some questions, and I want you to answer either yes or no out loud. Do you want to make the most of the year 2023? Yes. Do you want it to be the best year you've ever had? Yes. Do you want to see some dreams fulfilled and some hang-ups, hurts, or habits overcome? Yes. Do you want to travel further down the road to becoming who God created you to be than you ever traveled before? Yes. Sweet. Me too. But listen, here's the deal. Having a great, fulfilling, meaningful, God-honoring 2023 is not simply going to happen. Instead, it requires that we develop a plan, set some goals, and then execute those plans and goals. Get it? Good. And that's what we did last week. I think I have a picture here, maybe. There we go. I took that picture with my phone, right? And there, there's some sheets that are extremely valuable to you this year. Because if you want to become your best me in 2023, remember direction, not intention, determines our destination. You need to clarify what you really want, what's important to you, what adjectives would you like to describe you. And like I said last week, most of us would choose things like kindness, compassion, things like that. We wouldn't say, I want adjectives of bitterness and angry and mean-spirited, right? And so you clarify what you want. You kind of think about what you like people to say at your eulogy, right? And, and then you ask the question, is my life in the direction of it aligned to what I say is important? And then the second part of this, and I'm still working on mine. Uh, it's still a work in progress. I'm going to have it done this week. And the second part is to set some 252 goals, Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man, Luke 2.52. And so you encourage to set one or three intellectual goals next year, physical goals, spiritual goals, and relational goals in the coming year. And you can answer this one in your head. Did you fill out your survey yet, your value survey, your goals yet? And if not, will you? Again, remember, direction, not intention, determines and will determine your destination in the year 2023. And like I said last week, it doesn't matter how many times you failed, how many times you quit, how many times you did not follow through. It it does not matter what critics are saying, even your own inner critic, your worst critic, this year really can be different. Amen? Wow, two of you believe that. 
You guys must want to stay to 2 o'clock, right? You know the rules, right? Okay. This year really can be different. (laughs) I don't know. Amen. (laughs) All right. Hey, that was last week. It's online. You want to check it out. I have those sheets available for you to pick up at the various kiosks. Now, next week, we're jumping back um, into our verse-by-verse study of the gospel of Matthew. Specifically, we're going to be diving deep into these 11 words from the prayer that Jesus unveiled in his kingdom manifesto, a prayer that's been prayed across the globe for 2,000 years. And we're going to do these 11 words next week. Matthew 6, 13. And lead us not, someone say, and lead us not, and lead us not. into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Again, that's next Sunday. But the day of the eighth Sunday, the eighth day and the second Sunday of the year 2023, I felt compelled to have a conversation called Church, this is a football. I'm not going to throw it yet. Emphasis on yet. Do you want 2023 to be Maple Grove's best year ever? Thank you. Do you want to see this body of believers travel further down the road to becoming the church he intends for us to be than we have ever traveled before? And understand, this church, our church, his church, having a great fulfilling, meaningful, God-honoring 2023 is not simply going to happen, is it? It said it requires that we develop a plan, set some goals, and then execute those plans and goals. And that's what I want to talk about today, January 8, 2023. However, before we dive in, let's take two, and then I'll pray us back into our study. And take two is when we stand up and welcome those around us. So go ahead and do that. Okay, I'm going to, great job. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity to be in your house. God, I pray that everything that you desire to happen in and through us happens. God, our, our faith and trust for these next few minutes are in you and the power of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, Vince Lombardi is remembered as one of the greatest NFL football coaches of all time. In fact, the Super Bowl trophy is named after him. You know the trophy that a team will lift up after climbing the mountain and achieving that victory. I have a picture of the trophy right there, right there. Great picture, Tom Brady. Let's go! Let's go! Right? And I'm sorry, I couldn't resist. He's not there anymore. My team's not doing so well. Yeah, I'm living in the past, but sometimes that's all you got, right? Now, he's also known as a great motivator in his speech, what it takes to be number one, is still used in sports and business today. In that speech, he said, winning is not a sometime thing. It's an all-the-time thing. You don't win once in a while. You don't do things right once in a while. You do them all the time. Winning is a habit. Unfortunately, so is losing. He was known for his toughness, and both veterans and rookies alike feared him. Well, in July of 1961, the Green Bay Packers gathered for their first, first full day of training camp. And listen, these guys were ready to get to it. You see, in the prior season, they had a heartbreaking loss in the championship game in the fourth quarter, and they blew the game, and the Philadelphia Eagles won that game. And so when the players arrived at camp, 
they expected the coach to jump in where they left off and talk about, hey, what new plays has he designed for the upcoming year so they could advance and win the championship? However, Coach Lombardi had a different idea. Now picture the scene. His entire team is gathered in a meeting room, a man half his age and twice his size, men who have been playing this game for their entire lives, and men who were just a fumble away in the fourth quarter from winning the championship. I mean, these guys both loved and they knew the game. And they're all leaning in anxiously waiting to see what the coach came up with during the offseason. And with football in hand, he walked in front of the room and stared at everybody in silence for a few moments. Then he held out the pigskin in front of him and he said, gentlemen, this is a football. And holding that football, he explained the importance of a football. And then he had all the players open up the page one in the playbook and began going over to the fundamentals, talking about how important it is to tackle, how important it is to be able to throw the ball and catch the ball and block. And then he took them outside onto the field. And he said, guys, this is the out-of-bounds lines. You can't cross those. And, and these are the end zones. And the object of the game is for us to move this ball across our opponent's end zone while keeping them from moving the ball across our goal line. He said, gentlemen, this is a football. And listen, this hyper-focus on fundamentals paid off. Because that year they would win in the championship game over the New York Giants 37 to nothing. And Lombardi would go on to give that speech every year for the next seven years before he retired. The result, he never coached a losing team. He never lost a playoff game. In those seven years, he would win five championships. Again, the first practice of every year, he would remind the team and stress the importance of the fundamentals of the game. Why? Because fundamentals matter. Someone say, fundamentals matter. <laughs> Why? Because fundamentals can be forgotten, ignored, and overlooked. But why? Because fundamentals often are not very sexy, right? Why? Because if we both remember and execute them, the chance of victory is high. On the other hand, if we neglect them, chance of victory is not so high. And so this morning, January 8th, 2023, I want to give my version of this as a football. I, I, I want to remind us of of the key fundamentals, you know, the blocking, tackling, passing, catching, running plays of our faith. And about the objective. And listen, knowing and practicing these fundamentals not only matters, but is essential for us to have a winning season for him as a church. Get it? Good. And listen, this, this is not the first time that I've talked about these things that I'm going to share today. Now, besides individual conversations about the church and its importance, I, I, I went and looked on my Word docs and I, I found out that, you know, since I've been here, I've, I've done seven series on the church consisting of 76 conversations. That's a year and a half. So a year and a half, I, I stood up here, talked about what the church is and what the church can do and how God can empower it to change the world. And listen, reminding people of things that they already know is really biblical. 
Uh, Peter said in 2 Peter chapter 1, beginning in verse 12, so I will always remind you of these things, even though, someone say even though, you know them and are firmly established in the truth you now have. I think it's right to refresh your memory. As long as, as long as I live in this tent of the body, because I know that I'll soon put it away, he's going to die soon, he thinks, as the Lord Jesus has made very clear to me. And I will make every effort to see that after my departure, you will always be remembering these things. Father God, help us hear your word today. Help it make a difference. Help us and help me to believe that it can, no matter what's gone on in the past. In Jesus' name, amen. Maple Grove, this is a Bible. This book literally contains words that were breathed by God. Think about that. The same God who created the heavens and the earth who breathes out stars, who holds oceans in the palm of his hands, the same God who was and is and always will be, that the same God who changes times and seasons and removes kings and establishes kingdoms, breathe the words in this book. This book is alive and active. It's sharper than a double-edged sword. It cuts, dividing between joint and marrow, soul and spirit, and it judges the thoughts and attitudes of our hearts. Do you have any thoughts and attitudes? Uh, this book is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so the people of God will be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Uh, this book is a, a lamp to our feet and it's a light for our path. Remember, this book is a book like no other book in human history. Historically accurate, fulfilled prophecies, pre-scientific knowledge, most translated, most printed, most manuscripts, thousands more than any ancient document. And this book, despite the fact it was written over a period of 1,500 years by 40-plus writers from all different walks of life, three different continents, three different languages, it has incredible, powerful, and supernatural unity. Listen, for thousands of years, billions of people, young and old, rich and poor, educated and uneducated, male and female, king and peasant, slave and free, people from all over the globe, different places, different cultures, have read this book and had their lives and destinies and forevers radically changed by it. This is the Bible. This is God's Word. It's powerful. It's true. It's trustworthy. And it must be the authority for his church and the lives of his people. Amen? Amen. And listen, to keep with our, our, this is a football theme. Uh, this book is our playbook. Uh, a playbook that enables us to build our lives on a foundation that can and will, someone say can and will, Amen. that can and will withstand every wind and every wave this world will throw at us. And it's a playbook that we cannot leave in the stands or on the sidelines, but we must carry it with us so we can refer to it and rely on it throughout the game. Have you noticed how some quarterbacks, even the great ones, wear something on their wrist? I think I have a picture here. I actually looked for someone other than Tom Brady. I actually did. If you can find one, send it to me, right? But, but that's his playbook. Some guys don't. Like, Tom, you're the GOAT. You're the best. 
Why are you carrying the playbook with you? So, you know what? During the game, things can get crazy. I may forget some things, and I need to be able to refer to it. And here's the deal. To play the game well and get the victory, we must read, know, treasure, value, follow, obey, and live our lives according to this book. Amen? Like, serious, why wouldn't we? I mean, it's written by the very one who formed and created you. Like, why wouldn't we want to read a book written by the guy who created us and breathed life into our bodies? As you know, I'm, I like to encourage people and harass people and harass people to read God's Word. We do a new Bible plan at work. You can be rest assured to see maybe five emails and seven texts group text, individual text. Hey, would you read the new Bible reading plan with me? One's coming today, by the way. <laughs> because faith comes from hearing and hearing the word of God. In our first faith come from hearing this year is we're doing this incredible reading through the book of Proverbs and the devotion that goes with it is just so stinking good. So powerful. And, and One of the devotions, they compared living by God's word and wisdom to wearing a scarf in the winter. And the guy who wrote the Devo is a church near Chicago and talked about how up there, like I grew up in Baltimore, I thought it got cold there until I was on a Navy base and experienced 60 degree below zero wind chill. That's cold. And and when you have a scarf up there, you know, this guy lived in West Virginia, he never wore a scarf. Up there, he would never leave his home without it. I never left the barracks in the winter without two pairs of pants. One of those looks like I'm ready to rob a bank ski mask, right? You know, two pairs of socks and two coats just to walk from my barracks to the school I was attending because it was so cold. I would never think of leaving without it because I know I needed it for my protection. See, God's word and God's wisdom like a scarf. And we, whenever we leave the, and go out into the world without it, we go out unprotected. Does that make sense? Thank you. Some of you need to talk to Mike. It made sense to him. He got it. He's on it. Talked to him this week. Mike, what's your next? Hey, I want to read Proverbs 3. We read this week. Uh, my son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart, for they will prolong your life many years. Sounds good. And bring you peace and prosperity. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then, then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. And he will make your path straight. Amen? Maple Grove, this is the Bible. And this is the gospel. In the beginning, the one who was and is and is to come created everything. He created galaxies, billions of them, stars, trillions of them. He created the planet that you and I now live on. The planet that even now he's holding in its orbit as it revolves around the sun at 67,000 miles per hour and as it spins on its axis at 1,000 miles per hour. And God filled the earth with breathtaking beauty, sunrises, sunsets, oceans, mountains, rivers, streams, forests, canyons. 
I mean, what an incredible, beautiful world we get to call home. Amen? Amen. Listen, not only that, God filled this planet with life. Like everywhere we look, there's life. I mean, if you took a shovel to the ground and put that dirt under a microscope, it would be teeming with life. And on day six, God created man and woman, the crown of his creation. The very reason why everything exists in the first place. Hey, turn to the person to your right and left and say, you are the reason. <laughs> Some of you are looking forward to that. You got a chance to say that this morning to somebody. You are the reason. Some of you owe me at least a coffee for that. And he created them in his own likeness and image. Placing them in a garden paradise where they had an up-close, personal, and intimate relation with God. I mean, imagine what it must have been like living in a world like that, untainted by sin, decay, corruption. Imagine experiencing intimacy with God like that. Understand things were good. They were very good. But they were not very good for very long. You see, Adam and Eve, before they got, even got out of the third chapter of God's 1,189 chapter book, they mess up everything. Not only for themselves, but for everyone. They disobey God, they ignore his words, they ignore his wisdom, they ignore his protection. They leave without their scarf. They take that bite, and because of their choice, sin, death, and separation invaded and corrupted God's perfect world. Romans 5, 12 says, when Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death, so death spread to everyone, for everyone sinned. Romans 6, excuse me, 3.23 says, for everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Romans 6.23 says, for the wages of sin is death. But listen, that's only part of the story. You see, long before that first couple took the bite of that forbidden fruit, God already had a plan to set things right, a plan to remove the distance, a plan to give sin and separation, a crushing, lethal, once and for all time, defeating death blow, a plan to unleash his amazing grace. Romans 5, 15, same chapter, there's a great difference between Adam's sin and God's gracious gift. For the sin of this one man, Adam brought death to many, but even greater, someone say, but even greater, is God's wonderful grace and his gift of forgiveness to many through the other man, Jesus Christ. This is the gospel. That God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. That we know that. But let's really think about that. That God so loved you and me that he allowed his son to come to this earth to be beaten, to be bruised, and be nailed to the cross. And Jesus willingly put on flesh and became that sacrifice for us. For God so loved the world that he gave his one only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. People go, this is the gospel. That God's love for us and his gift to us of Christ removes the distance and brings us back home to God. It's the gospel that Peter preached for the first time in Acts chapter 2. Thousands gathered at the temple. Peter says, therefore let all Israel be assured of this. 
God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart, and they said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Like, he's still preaching, they interrupted him. Like, that's a good interruption, right? Peter replied, Repent to be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. He says, this promise is for you and for your children, and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he warned them and pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Wow, that's kind of true today, right? Save yourself from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized. And about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Bethel Grove, this is a gospel. A gospel that Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2, unleashes the grace of God, saving us from his wrath, moving us from death to life. All of you were dead in your... All of you were dead. That's pretty severe, isn't it? In your trespasses and sins in which you previously walked. According to the ways of this world, according to the ruler who exercises authority over the lower heavens, and the spirit now working in the disobedient, we too all previously lived among them in our fleshly desires, carrying out the inclinations of our flesh and thoughts, and we were by nature children under wrath, as others were also. Raise your hand if you would like to be a children under God, a child under God's wrath. Any takers? I don't think so. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love that he has for us, made us alive with Christ, even though we were dead in our sins, you are saved by grace. Amen? This is a gospel. A gospel that everyone needs to hear and accept and surrender to, because if not, the consequences are severe. Second Thessalonians 1, 8 and 9, if I had editorial rights, I would get this out of the Bible, right? I don't like this. makes me uncomfortable. He will punish those who do not know God and who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. They'll be punished with everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might. I said, everyone has the same problem, sin. And everyone has the same and only solution. The grace of God which is unleashed through our faith in and surrender to Jesus. Same problem, same solution. Yes, this is the gospel. The gospel of redemption and restoration, hope and deliverance, freedom and reconciliation, life and salvation, God's love and God's mercy, his grace and his kindness, new life and eternal life. Amen? Yeah, yeah, yeah there is an uncomfortable part to the gospel. I admit it, right? <laughs> but the beauty outshines the darkness. Amen? Yeah, it's uncomfortable to be lost, right? But sometimes we got to say, guess what? Without Jesus, people are lost. That's true. But with Jesus, they have forgiveness, eternal life. Yeah, I get it. It's uncomfortable. But I, I got a feeling being separated from God forever is probably a whole lot more uncomfortable. Amen? All right. So we got good news to share, right? We got great news to share. That God wants to redeem you and God wants to restore you to who you always were meant to be.
This is the Bible, this is the gospel, and this is our, our mission. Jesus is about to go back to heaven. Been hanging out with his guys for a long time. He says, yo, I want you all to meet me on the mountains near the Sea of Galilee. The guys gather, and he says, all authority in heaven and earth. That's a lot of authority. <laughs> That's been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and Son and Holy Spirit, and teaching them to, do every, to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Our, our mission is to, is to make disciples, to show people Christ by the way we live our lives, to bring people to Christ for salvation by baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and Holy Spirit, by building them up in Christ, by teaching them to obey everything he's commanded, and then sending them out in the world to make a difference for Christ by being the salt of the earth and the light of the world. See, as Jesus followers, we have one job. And yes, I could not resist looking at a few. My man Trent's already smiling of those you had one job photos. You know those times when someone was giving one job and they totally failed at it? Here's just a few, all right? Asia, right? All right. My daughter works for a t-shirt company. I think, out of here, right? Here, here, here's another. You had one job, all right? Okay. Sky's lit up, all right? You, you only had one job. Next one. Okay. I don't think that's going to work. Either way you go, that's not going to work at all. Here's another one. Next one. All right. Okay. Non-stick frying pan, right? Okay, I don't think I'm buying that one. I love this one here, okay? I'm a middle school boy, right? It's like... Okay, not working. And here's this another toilet shot, right? You had one job. All right. I lifted the seat. <laughs> you know, sometimes even lifting the seat doesn't work, right? All right? Guys, we need to lift the seat, right? right? Okay. All right, you had one job, right? Um, we have one job, one main thing, and that is to make disciples. Hey, uh, imagine that you bought into a franchise that makes hamburgers. And after your first 90 days of operation, the regional director comes in to pay you a visit. And you show them the store. Hey, look at these cool, trendy tables we have. Hey, look at our bathroom. How do you like our play area? Our restrooms? Look at those pictures we hung on the wall. Aren't they awesome? He goes, yeah, it's great. He says, but how many hamburgers have you sold? Well, we haven't really sold any yet. Okay, your one job is what? To sell hamburgers. And you sold how many hamburgers? Zero hamburgers in 90 days. How long do you think that guy would keep his franchise if he continued to operate that way? Anybody think he'd have it long? No. See, we have one job. We have one mission. Show people Christ, bring them to Christ, build them up in Christ, and send them out for Christ. Amen? And can you think of a mission more important than salvation to the lost? God's grace to people who were once under his wrath? Can you think of anything more important than bringing freedom to the captive, hope to the hopeless, relief to the oppressed, drink to the thirsty, food to the hungry? 
belonging to the lonely, purpose to the drifting, peace to the anxious, healing to the hurting, wholeness to the broken. This is the Bible, this is the gospel, this is our mission, and this is the church. No, that's not the church. This is the church. That's the church, right? It's not a building. It's not a building. It's these people that were out doing various things, right? Representing Christ in the community. That's the church. Here's a church. Here's a steeple. Open the door. Where all the people go? Right? Imagine if Jesus, our head coach, you came into our meeting room today. And he said, Maple Grove, this is a church. I want you all to turn to page one of our playbook. What do you think we'd find on that page? Like what are the fundamentals for being a Christ follower, for being a church member? Like what does it mean for us to tackle, to block, to pass, to catch, to run plays? You know, there's a really great summary of the key fundamentals for the church in Acts chapter 2. Peter preaches that sermon, 3,000 accepted or baptized. The church is born. That's a big deal. The very next verse we read this in Acts chapter 2 verse 42. They, who's the they? Well, everyone who was just baptized, everyone who joined the church that day. And, and so they is everyone. And here's the deal. Jesus has not given anyone in his church or on his team permission to stay in the stands or to hang out on the sidelines. He expects everyone in his team, like any good coach, for us to actually walk between the chalk lines and help the team play the game and win the game. Amen? Amen. They devote it. That word devoted means to adhere to with strength, like super glue. It means to give constant attention to something. And it's in the present tense. So it wasn't a one-time thing in the past. It's actually better translated. They were continually devoting themselves, right? You can't devote someone else. We'd like to. I can't devote you. You can't devote me. They were continually devoting themselves to some of the fundamentals of being a church member, to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And here's the deal. If we want Maple Grove to have our best year ever, we want to become more the church intends for us to be, then we all, you must devote yourself, I must devote myself to continually devoting ourselves to the Lord God. Question, question. Can, can, can someone be devoted to the Word if they do not read or study it? Or if they do not strive to live by it by aligning their lives to the values and teachings that we find in the Bible. Would you say someone's devoted that never read it and chose not to live by it? Listen, the early church was devoted to the Word. And the results are dramatic, right? A few decades, gospel spreads around the world. A few centuries, Rome falls. Not by power and might, but by truth and grace. A guy named N.T. Wright, a really smart guy, wrote a book called Simply Christian. 
He says this, the Bible isn't simply a repository of true information about God and Jesus and the hope of the world. It is rather part of the means by which, in the power of the Spirit, the living God rescues his people and his world and takes them forward on a journey toward his new creation and makes us his agents of that new creation even as we travel. Picking it up, you need to remind yourself that you hold in your hands not only the most famous book in the world, but one which has extraordinary power to change lives, to change the world. It's done it before it can do it again. Amen? We must continually be devoting ourselves to the Word and to the prayer. Again, could be devoted to prayer if we do not regularly pray if we do not pray in faith, early church was devoted to prayer. Check out the book of Acts. And they were devoted to prayer because they were convinced that prayer brought them into the throne of God and prayer also connected them to the power of God. What can prayer do? Anything God can do. And what can God do? Anything. James said it this way. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. Elijah was a man just like us. I love that so much. Just like us. Had his doubts and fears. Got indigestion when he ate spicy food, right? Just like us. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain. It did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again, he prayed and the heavenly gates gave rain and the earth produced its crops. Devoted to prayer. You know, I, I, I excited I don't know what the word would be. It's kind of awesome to see how so much of our world, especially the sports world, has been focused on prayer since last Monday night, right? When a player, Damar, Damar, I forget his, what's his last name? Hamill? Hamlin? Damar Hamlin got hit, had a heart attack on the field. And then you see a picture like this. Like it used to be like, I mean, there was a coach who was fired from high school because he dared to pray, right? And here they're praying. And I saw this dude on ESPN not say, he didn't just say our thoughts and prayer, God. He goes, you know what? I'm going to pray. And he, he actually prayed to God on ESPN, which is owned by Disney. Crazy, right? Right? Disney. What got to you, right? You know, good stuff. But seeing that, that prayer, prayer matters and prayer makes a difference. And people have been praying. And guess what? The world is saying, hey, guess what? People are praying to God. And his recovery is being remarkable, right? Like, like he is able to talk now. The vent tube is out. And and, and, and his first question, because he's, he's a football player, right? He don't know how, he's in a hospital, he's in ICU, he's still got a tube in his mouth. He writes on, did we win? <laughs> that's it. Not where am I, am I going to make it? Did we win the game? Because that's what mattered to him. Devoted to prayer, devoted to the word, devoted to the breaking of the bread. And, and it's talking about communion. And sometimes look, I go, okay, you know, the word in prayer, yeah, I get that, right? That's really essential, but communion is, I know it's important, but it's really that big of a deal. Like it's like in, in the top four. Was it a big deal to Jesus? And he took bread, gave thanks and broke it. It's the night of his betrayal, less than 24 hours on the cross, and gave it to them saying, this is my body given to you. Do this Remembrance of me. Same way after supper, he took the cup saying, this is a cup in the new covenant and my blood, which is poured out for you. See, in communion, which we do every week and we'll do today, Jesus wants you, he says, remember me. Who I am, what I did. 
And I also think in communion, Jesus is saying to you and I, don't forget your worth. Don't, don't forget my love for you. Don't forget the cross. Don't forget what saves you. Not your effort, not your performance. Don't forget where you once were so you can appreciate where you are now. And don't forget your future. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. Continue devoting ourselves to the word, the communion, the prayer, and to the fellowship. Now, there's four basic fundamentals that demonstrate our devotion to the fellowship. You know these. I'm just going to hit them so very quickly for me, right? Okay. Fundamentals, right? That, that all of us got to say, hey, you know what? In 2023, I'm going I'm to be better at this. Fundamentals. Attend regularly. Basic fundamental for a church member. Hebrews 10.25 says this, let us not give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing. Not going to church become a habit. I think the enemy used COVID so effectively, right? To mess up the church. To think people, hey, it doesn't matter. I want you to know that you being here matters. You being here every week matters. You think, well, I'm doing good with God. I don't need to be here. Well, maybe someone needs you to be there. Because you're the one that's going to put a hand on their shoulder. You're the one that's going to see that. Wait a second. They look a little down. They look a little discouraged. Right? It matters that you're here. Will you in 2023, and, and check this out. Check this out. Every year God gives you 5,224, 160 minutes. Half a million minutes. If you go to church every week and spend 90 minutes there, that's only 4,680 minutes. You still have 519,480 minutes left, right? So do not tell me you don't have time to be in church, right? He's giving you five, half a million, only wants less than 5,000 from you to be here. <clears throat> Serve passionately. Jesus came not to be served, but to serve, Right? And we all have talents and gifts, different abilities. One of my greatest abilities, ability to sing. <laughs> I walked in here today with my headphones on because I, 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 I try to get zoned in worship and I'm coming in here and I didn't know I was singing out loud. And I see everybody practicing the praise and they're doing this. Seriously, this is what they're doing. And I go, what? Was I singing out loud? I, they said, yeah. You know what they didn't do? They didn't say, hey, would you come up here and join us? <laughs> they said, how far can you get away from us, right? Listen, we all have different gifts. Not everybody's a quarterback, right? Not everybody's a running back. Or whatever. We all have different gifts. Every gift's important. Doesn't matter what it is. Will you serve passionately this year? If you don't have a place to serve, will you say, hey, would, Steve, would you help me find a place where I can serve and help this church be stronger? Give generously. You love, who loves that one, right? Hey, we love that one a lot, don't we? You know, on the first day of the week, Paul said in 1 Corinthians, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income. We read in Proverbs 3, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of your crops. You go, glad I'm not a farmer. <laughs> I got no crops, so I'm good. No, that's not what he's saying. Acts 2, they actually sold their possessions and stuff. Hey, here's something to make everybody uncomfortable. 
And it's been great knowing you. <laughs> I wish you well because you never come back right now. Um, our giving statements are coming out soon for the year. Are you going to get one? If not, uh-oh, right? And, and if you do get one, and you look at that number, you go, oh, okay. I'm just making stuff up, right? Oh, let's see, I gave $850 this year. Would you like your income for 2023 to be 10 times that? To be $8,500? Will you give generously, more generously, in the year 2023 than you gave before? It's an act of worship. It's an act of obedience. Get it? Did you want it? (laughs) Uh, Live togetherly. That's not a word, but it should be a word, right? Live togetherly. And that's just about, hey, we got to do life together, right? Togetherly. I made it up. <laughs> it's about being involved in the lives of other people so that they can encourage you, that they can love you, that they can carry your burdens. We must be devoted to the mission to make disciples. Again, most people know that I'm a New England Patriot fan. I'm obnoxious about it, right? I even got socks for it. Christmas present, I said, hey, I want a new wallet. Guess what? It's Patriots. My kids got me socks. I got a new Patriots beanie, right? I'm just obnoxious with it. And, and you know, what can I say? And even if you hate them, you probably hate them less now, right? But even if you hate them, I want you to hate them more than you do now because it's terrible. But anyhow, you'll probably agree with their three-word slogan. And here it is. Do your job. Quarterback, do your job. You're not the center. You're not the punter. You're not the kicker. You're not a cornerback. You're not a safety. Do your job. Not someone else's job, but do your job. And if you do your job and he does his job and he does his job, we got a good chance of winning the game, right? That's just like, hey, do your job. Do your job. And I'm convinced that if we all, if you do your job, and I do, my job's not yours, your job is not mine, but if you do your job in 2023, and you devote yourself to the word, the prayer, to communion, to the fellowship, by attending and giving and serving and living togetherly, <laughs> it really can be our best year ever. And yeah, I've preached 76 sermons plus, maybe 100, talking about this. But you know what? My faith is not in me. My faith is not in you. Because as we wrap up, and as we will wrap up, this is our God. Our God is the maker of heaven and earth. Our, our God breathes out stars. Our God sits upon the circle of the earth. Our God is before all things, over all things, and our God holds all things together. Our God slays giants. Our God parts seas. Our God brings down walls. There is nothing, nothing, nothing is impossible for our God. And if we do our part, God will always do his part. Now I'm going to close with this verse here as the team comes up. Ephesians 3, 20 and 21. The praise team, not the whole team. That would be great if you guys said, we're the team, we're here. Okay. Sorry. 
Cody could tell you I was crazy in life group this morning. Okay. But listen to this verse, right? Because we can look, even at your life, well, I got these goals to be the best me, but I don't know. Maple Grove, I don't know. If this is really going to happen. Heard Steve's rah-rah before, you know, you know. Well, now to him who is able. Someone say he's able. Someone say he's able. Now to him who's able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. And here's what I'm going to ask you guys to do. As we sing our closing song, it said, this I believe. Yeah, I believe in God the Father. A really good song. Um, it is, close your eyes. No peeking. You know, turn to, person, right life, turn to your person, to your right and left, and say, if you don't peek, I won't peek. <laughs> if you don't peek, I won't peek. Right? And, and what I just want us to do is, is, if in the coming year, you're telling God, you know what, God? I'm going to do my job. I'm going to do my best for his church in the year 2023. Just stand up with eyes closed. And then when the band starts singing, we'll all stand up. Does that make sense? No peeking, right? I want to peek. Hey, make sure the camera's turned around. So, okay, thank you. No. All right. Sorry. It's, whenever you're ready to stand, close your eyes. No peeking. No peeking. If you're ready to say, God, I'm ready to give my best. Haven't always given my best, and sometimes, God, I don't know if I can give my best, but this year, I want to give my best. I want to do my job, the job you have uniquely for me, to make your church better and stronger. And if you're feeling like you want to give your best, just stand up. Say, God, I know you're able to help me to be my best and to do my best for your church in the coming year. Father God, we love you. God, we need you. God, I pray you move in us and through us that we can make a difference. The world needs us. And I pray as we sing this song that we recommit ourselves that this is what we believe and this is what we hold on to. In Jesus' name, amen.